Radio. Podcast, welcome. Hi, Jason, me, him, Brendan. Podcast, movies, movies, British. British, usual, no, today, similar, similar movie to old movie. Watch new. Here we are. It's a podcast, and we're talking into microphones in a room. Because what else would we be doing on a Monday? Monday, Monday. This sounds really weird because you hear music in the background, and I was singing over it with a different tune. Yeah. And I know for me personally, that's um, hard to reckon, so I apologize. It's hard to reckon. It is. It is. And despite Brendan and I not liking Mondays... Uh, at all, because Mondays are terrible. We still yeah. get up in the morning, we have our coffee, we sit down, we hash this out, we script every last second of this, and we bring it to you today, here on the podcast called... For Screen? And Guntre. And Jason, you say we both don't like Mondays. In fact, the original title for this podcast was a couple of Garfields, but we thought we might get in trouble with uh, you know, copyright infringement and all that shit. Not only is Jim Davis exceedingly litigious, allegedly, mm. uh, he's also a member of, I don't know, let's say the Masons, allegedly. I thought you were going to say, like, I thought you were going to blow my mind and say, like, Nambla or something. <laughs> it's like, God, God damn, let's use Garfield. No, I don't want to go that him. far. I don't want to go that far down into defamation, Brendan. Okay. Well, you said he's litigious. We probably shouldn't yeah. assume he's a member of Nambla. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to. <laughs> or at I, least I don't wanna... state so out loud. No, I can't. I don't know what he does in his spare time, but I'm not going to imply anything. Right. We don't know if he's into... Me- anyway, I'm not going to get We don't that. know. Uh, we just don't know. <laughs> this is this is a podcast about British films, Jason. What are we doing right now, though? We are doing our fun sub-series called, and now for something... Completely similar. Where we watch films that are somehow tangentially related to films we have watched previously, whether they are remakes, reboots, sequels, prequels, sidequels, midquels, uh, 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 rebooticals. Uh, uh, kids, uh, kids meals yes. versions of them from Burger King. And sometimes we watch a movie that is even set in the same universe as a previous film. Not necessarily a sequel. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, maybe the least related to the, the other, uh, to the movie on the list as we could have gotten with mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> Pretty much. What are we watching this week, Brendan? Well, Jason, I want to, I want to say, first of all... <sighs> We watched. No, I'm setting it up. I'm not just <laughs> oh, gonna, listen. Oh, you, you just want to fucking you just, go. You just you 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 don't even put the condom on. You just want to go in, fucking blow your wad, and get out. I'm trying to. I'm trying to add some context to the conversation, Jason. Right. It's been I a long apologize. time since we talked about the last movie. Brendan, you are a master of foreplay, and I need to let you do your job, please. Oh my god, do you want to edit this thing? I will turn this podcast around. Please, sir. Please, sir. Go ahead. <sighs> well, some time ago. Let's talk about our poop. Oh. <laughs> no, some time ago, we uh, we talked about a film called Moon. Duncan Jones is Moon. Um, I think we were both pretty much in agreement that Moon is a great movie, yeah. and that his other movie that we had seen, Warcraft, maybe not so much. No. no. Um, but Moon is a movie that was on the list. I even think we both agreed that it should go on the main yeah. list. Um, not enough sci-fi on that list for my liking, so I definitely would put Moon on that list. And a different kind of sci-fi, a quiet, yeah. somber, melancholy sci-fi. Exactly. 
um, unlike maybe what we're about to talk about this week. But also true. Um, <laughs> so of course, like like Jason said, we talk about movies that are related to other movies on the actual Empire list in some fashion, and this was described as by Duncan Jones as a spiritual sequel to Moon, which I don't really that's, see. No, that's the complete opposite of what it is. It's a, yeah. a, a, to me, a spiritual sequel is a movie that is a sequel in spirit. It's like it's not connected through any sort of world building or characters or anything, but there are similar themes and ideas that the movie is following up on and evoking that previous film. That's, to my mind, what a spiritual sequel is. This is not a sequel. This doesn't, outside of a couple of small things in the background, this has nothing to do with Moon. However, this is a movie that is set in the same universe as Moon around the same time that Moon takes place. Um, yeah, where this we like, saw is... where we saw the inside of a space station in Moon, we get to kind of see what life is like on the ground, at least in in Berlin. Yeah, it's like calling like the Obi Wan series a sequel to Andor. Yeah, like it's, it's not. You know, it's not. It's all in the same. It's all in the same universe. It's like the Star Wars universe, where this is the 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 MCU, the Moon Cinematic Universe, the, the Muted Moon Cinematic Universe, the, the, the M and CU, the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is no. This is not. This is not that at all. This is a, a 2018 film called Mute. And that theme song can only mean one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Mute. Like I said, 2018, Duncan Jones. Jason, are your vocal cords uh, okay after that? I think I'm going to be all right. I'll be all right. I was, uh, it was a bit of a strain, but I'm good to go. Okay. Good to hear. Um, Mute, 2018, the spiritual sequel, but not really, mm. to uh, Moon. Um, just to run down some of the people involved in this movie, which kind of surprised me when i saw it yeah uh obviously directed by duncan jones the aka david bowie jr mm-hmm. um but we have in the cast we have alexander skarsgård uh you, you may have seen recently in a little film called the northman um we have uh, paul rudd um showing up in this mm. we have justin teru and we have a bunch of other people who will kind of mention no one that really stands out as a name, although I will say that uh, Dominic Monaghan from the yes. uh, Lord of the Rings movies that you probably most of you would know him from uh, as a brief appearance as a character named Oswald. If you if you recognize so. him in the heavy makeup and costuming he's in, <laughs> it took me a sec. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know it was him until I read the credits, to be honest. But then again, I don't know if I know what he just looks like. <laughs> just know it's oh oh, it's either Mary or Pippin. I'm gonna say one of them. think of a Hobbit. He's one of them. Yeah, he's one of them, and they both look alike. Sorry, hashtag all Hobbits. Um, so mute 2018. Jason, I I mean I know both of us had no idea what this was yeah. gonna be. No, no clue. Um, I saw the poster. And I knew just looking at the poster, the three people that are in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I, other than that, not a whole lot else. So why don't you tell us just basically and try to condense it as much as possible. I know there's a lot going well, on, yeah. but what is the uh, what is the general idea of this movie's plot? At its heart, this is the story of Leo, who is a, uh, uh, a young man who we learn early in the movie uh, lost his voice at an early age uh, after a boating accident uh, in that he encountered a boat. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, you, can't... You, you never you never come back from that. Your first fight with a boat yeah. usually oh, yeah. ends in tragedy. Well, he uh, he survived, which was a big thing. Uh, yeah. But his parents were, I think, Amish or something. I don't know that it's is it specifically they, said that they're Amish. No, they do say that he's Amish, and that was my first thing where I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no. So yeah, he has Amish parents, and they say like, no, we're not gonna because the doctor's like, look, we got to do surgery, and we can fix his voice. And they're like, no, it's in the hands of God now. And so they took him home, and of course he can't speak; his vocal cords are destroyed. So. Mm-hmm. He grows up and eventually, I assume, leaves on a rumspringa. I don't know if he's like fully out of the Amish or if he's still on his rumspringa. Because when you go to rumspringa, you're allowed to come back. But if you come back and then leave again, you're not allowed to come back, as I understand. Mm, okay. So anyways, he's out and working in the in the big city of Berlin, Germany. Now, this is set in a near future. Uh, we don't know exactly what year it is. I, I think they say 2035. They say I'm 20, pretty 35. sure that's what it's, I heard. Pretty big technological leap. Uh, that's well. That's what I noted in, when I when I thought I heard that. I was like, "Wait, this isn't twelve years." I mean, but that's the thing. Actually, that's one of the things I really like about this movie is kind of its near future uh, techno- technology. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, this is about Leo. Leo works in a bar and as a mute bartender because uh, I guess that's good. Then he doesn't. Actually, it's a pretty sweet gig because then he doesn't actually have to talk to people. He just has to listen to them. Uh, and people love to uh, yak to bartenders, and he's not going to tell your secrets. But yeah, yeah. So he works there, and he has a girlfriend uh, named uh, Nadira. Is that how you would say it, Nadira? Nadira is a waitress at this bar, and he's a bartender, and they love each other very much. And uh, uh, Leo's there to defend her when she gets felt up by uh, various, you know, uh, clients. Although it's it's th- this is the sort of kind of dystopian world where it's like she needs that job. So if uh, the boss thinks that if that means getting felt up once in a while, that's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. So through a series of events, uh, she disappears. She wants to tell him something and doesn't get to tell him something. And then she kind of disappears from his life. And he's like, what? Well, he's not like what? Because he didn't say nothing because he doesn't have a voice. But he's very concerned because this is this is the love of his life. The two of them are so intensely uh, in love. He can't understand where she went or why. So he begins kind of the process of finding out what happened to her. He wants to hunt her down. You know, well, hunt her down. It's kind of a dark way of saying it. He wants to find her. <laughs> he's not the Terminator. I'm just thinking now of like uh, I know I know he's he can't speak obviously, yeah. um, but just when you said he was like what I just pictured her like disappearing and then cutting to like a close up of his of his face looking directly down the barrel and he just says what what <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so he's out he's out looking for her now meanwhile while he's got his own shit going on we've got a kind of a B plot going on with the uh, cactus Bill played by our old pal Paul Rudd. I mean, our old pal in life. I've watched a lot of Paul Rudd movies over the years. I'm sure you have as well. Making his first appearance on this podcast, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. I'm glad, glad he finally made it. Uh, after all those SNL appearances, he's finally hit the big time. <laughs> um, it's nice of them to give a little guy like that a chance. Now, Paul is what we would... Uh, uh, well, not so much him. He's he's a mob doctor, essentially, at this point. He's a, I think we learned that Cactus is away on leave, or, or away without leave, from the U.S. Army. Uh, he was yeah. in Afghanistan at one point. Um, I think he says he was in Kabul. Oh, okay, yeah, which is in Afghanistan. Yeah, um, and so yeah, he's clearly hiding on the down low. And one of his things he's trying to do is he's trying to get papers to get him and his daughter out of Germany and back to the states. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's supplementing his income at this point by working as an underground mob doctor uh, yeah. with his with his pal 
who's also doc. an Afghan uh, doc, who was also in Afghanistan with him, who's a more legit doctor who's got a clinic, and he's kind of a um, he's like a legit version of in, in the cyberpunk genre what they call a ripper doc. He's a guy that does implants, uh, uh, like leg implants and, and replacing body parts and such things. And this is Justin Theroux, and I want to point out right now, is he, right is away, he related to Louis Theroux? I don't know, because because he kind of looks like him in this movie, except with the blonde hair. If you made his hair black, he'd look like Louis Theroux. I mean, his hair is is I think his natural hair color is black. Okay. But I just wanted to point out right away that there these you'll notice watching this uh, movie that those they're modeled after the characters in Mash. They're mo- <laughs> they're modeled. They're intentionally modeled after them. I mean, yes. I mean, I, 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 it did kind of in the back of my head while I was watching it. I saw Paul Rudd wearing that like kind of flamboyant shirt, and I thought, oh, he's kind of like Hawkeye. <laughs> well, in the mustache. Yeah, and then the, well, but Hawkeye didn't have a mustache on the show. Oh, I don't know. I, I just read that Duncan Jones uh, very intentionally modeled them after the the two he, two of the doctors. He more in like Mash. he looks more like Elliot Gould as Trapper in in the Mash movie with that mustache, but. Uh... Anyways, yes, it's kind of a mash relationship. If 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 Hawkeye and Trapper ended up uh, as like illegal doctors after the war, mm-hmm. even though even though uh, a duck is a legit doctor, he's got a legit clinic, right? Um, yeah. Yes, so sorry, Jason. Jason, sorry, do me to cut you off. Yes, they're they're specifically modeled after Trapper John and Hawkeye Pierce characters from the movie Mash. Okay, yeah, that makes a little more sense. That's what that's what it is. Say because he, yeah, Paul Rudd kind of looks like Trapper, and he's more like. Donald Sutherland duck is yeah yeah uh, it's a good movie mash I like that movie um, um it's a yeah I have complicated feelings about it but we'll talk about <laughs> it one day sure it's 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 certainly a movie with a with a um it's certainly well made but um it's not one that ages particularly well in many ways mm. um but anyway what future that's for a future, future discussion <laughs> yeah. um yeah, so they're they're living their lives and working for the mob, and anyways, it ends up. Uh, so yeah, so the girl disappears, and and he's and our mute friend Leo is looking is looking for her, and uh, a lot of stuff happens, and eventually it comes down to we learn that she is the mother of a child that is the daughter of Cactus Bill. So Cactus Bill and Nadia had that child. Um, and Cactus Bill doesn't want to lose the child, so he ends up... Uh, I guess he does kill her. Out of that, or he just suffocates her in that bag, but yeah. Well, suffocates her in the bag, he killed her. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and then it all kind of comes to a head at the end. It's a <laughs> it's a weird movie with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. But then we well, end, but then everything kind of turns out happy where uh, uh, this little girl's parents are both dead and uh, uh, but she's gonna end up with her grandmother so she's okay well there you go and uh, God save the king that's right that's all you need to know <laughs> folks yeah so um, this movie this movie this movie this movie, this movie. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna warn everyone listening right now this might be a bit of a contentious episode yeah it's gonna get heated I hope so. It's gonna get red hot. I hope so. this could this be the end of Brendan and Jason? Is, is this our own Mega Powers explosion? Yeah, we're gonna do like the slow handshake, <laughs> and um, this this girl named Elizabeth is just gonna show up and oh. be in the middle of it all. I was gonna steal Mariah from you. <laughs> <laughs> she was mine before yours. Oh, that's the Ric Flair storyline. <laughs> but yeah, so mute. 
2018, Duncan Jones. Um, it starts with a kind of a, a, a weird uh, quote, an Amish proverb, which I, I, I thought, like, it's very strange they're starting off this futuristic mm. sci-fi movie with an Amish proverb. It says something like, in order for God to mold something, he first has to melt it, I think is what it is. Okay. All right. That's, I mean, it, you, that I, that could be seen as a metaphor for the growth that this character experiences through the course of this movie. I just think it's, I, I just think right away it's like you're, you're hit, you're hitting us with an Amish pro, proverb, like without any context yet. It's a, it's a strange way to get this thing going. I actually, I, I hit the movie and started it and I, and I saw that pop up and I immediately was like, wait a minute, am I watching the right mute? <laughs> or I did I put on witness? <laughs> or mute witness. That's another movie. <gasps> yeah, I think it has Alec Alec uh, Guinness in it. Mm. What if what if Harrison Ford and Alec Guinness were in a movie together? Were they? Uh, you besides be Star Wars, under- <laughs> you, you would- <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Holy shit, Jason! Think about this. What if Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson were in a movie together? Imagine, imagine how awesome that would be. Can you imagine though, if like. Leonardo DiCaprio was in a Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> who would who would believe it? Yeah, it would be wild. Uh, um, yeah. So this. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to note someone else in the cast: Robert Sheehan, Sheehan, who plays Luba. Yes. Uh, people may know him from uh, Umbrella Academy as Klaus. Ooh, I never watched yeah. that show, but oh, it's a good show. Oh. So, first thing is first. Um, this is apparently Duncan Jones is like passion project mm. like he's been working for this was the first movie he was going to make remember when we talked about moon um this was the first movie he was going to make and he wanted he wanted uh sam rockwell to play a play i think he wanted him to play leo yeah. in this movie um but eventually uh it you know they kind of discovered well no i think i think um this project is too lofty for what they're willing to give me for a budget right now so we're going to do Moon first, but I still want to use Sam Rockwell, and that ended up being, you know, a terrific movie. I feel like a um, mute Sam Rockwell is a waste of a Sam Rockwell. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. I feel like that's a weird casting idea. It's like <laughs> it's like when they when they put Ryan Reynolds in that Wolverine movie as Deadpool, and he didn't talk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Once he became Deadpool, yeah. He just, well, yeah. Like, the Merc with the what? Mouth has no mouth. What the fuck are we yeah. doing here? Right. It's like, it's like if they made Wolverine like a passive character. Yeah. <laughs> What if we took the character and took everything away from the character that people like and then presented that to the people and said, you better like this. <laughs> Do you think that'll work? Yeah. What if instead of being a, a, a nice, inspirating, inspirating guy, Captain Picard was a racist asshole? And then the Star Trek <laughs> fans just had to accept that. <laughs> That's the, Yeah, but thankfully now it's fixed with the woke Picard. That's right. They call him woke card. <laughs> That sounds like a like a I now have sequel. blue hair, <laughs> and I'm sexually fluid. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so this movie, okay, like I said, it's his passion project, Duncan Jones' big thing he's wanted to make for a long time. Um, I would say right away that it what's what sticks out to me is I would expect someone's like passion project to be to stand out as completely unique, like like not look like really anything else. And right away, I'm like, oh, he's just using Blade Runner, like. <laughs> The world looks like Blade Let's Runner. Let's talk about this. Okay. Because I knew you were going to say this. It There's no denying no, it. No, no. There's Come no on. denying it. But what I'm saying, what you have to understand, are you familiar with the, the literary and uh, uh, 
aesthetic genre called cyberpunk? I mean, yeah, okay. I've, yeah, I've heard. Before. So cyberpunk traces its roots back to two main sources, I would say. I mean, there's lots of inspirations for cyberpunk over the years, but cyberpunk is like a near futuristic world that is at the same time highly technological and advanced, but also kind of covers extremely dystopian parts of it and dirty and, and underground, right? Um, you, you trace that back to two main sources. One is uh, uh, Gibson's Neuromancer, which is a novel that came out in 1984, and the other is Blade Runner. Blade Runner is a massively influential in the, in the visual aesthetic of the cyberpunk genre. And does this movie look somewhat like Blade Runner? Fuck yes, it does. But to that extent, any kind of cyberpunk media you might engage in, whether that's the, the video game Cyberpunk 2077 or something even like, I don't know, was, was that a Vin Diesel movie, Babylon or whatever? It was like a weird near future kind of thing. Ugh, yeah, it, no, but, yeah. but similar idea, right? Where it's kind of this colorful future or whatever. So yes, I does, wouldn't even give that movie that much credit. <laughs> but yeah, it does it look like Blade Runner, yes, but that's because that's uh, uh, kind of part and parcel with the cyberpunk genre. But, but I else, see where you're coming from. However, I would argue that Blade Runner is Maybe better shot. <laughs> oh, yeah, 1,000%. Looks, I'm know, just it's, saying it's that... Doing a, and it's doing it with a very kind of like, you know, old school kind of way. I appreciate this movie's color because, again, it, it, to me, it recalls like playing Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it's, it's a little more colorful. It's not quite as dark as Blade Runner, although it tries mm-hmm. to be at points. Um, I, I just mean like, I get what you're saying, yeah. but for me, like... <laughs> You can still stand out. Like, I think there's still ways they could have made this stand out right away. Just the aesthetic alone. And I'm just saying that, like, for me, it just, it looks too much like it. Like, it doesn't, I don't think it does a a lot to differentiate its look from it As far as takes on cyberpunk go, it is a pretty standard kind of cyberpunk take. Like, it looks like you expect it to look. It's uh, not, like I say, not quite as dark as Blade Runner, but... It's got all the, the neon signs and the 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 gender bending people and the weird costumes and all that sort of stuff. I think it I also think it's a bit fakey in terms of like the effects. Like I don't know. I know this that he got like a lot of money for this one, but mm-hmm. I feel like some of it looks like I don't know, there's a there's a like there's like a legitimacy missing from it or something. I watched Blade Runner and that movie wasn't even made with like because they didn't have like no. fucking CGI and amazing like computer it makes graphics that movie that so do. fantastic is it... because it looks and it looks lived in. Yeah. It looks like it looks you know that this is a cliche to say I know, mm-hmm. but the scenario that the scenery it's a, it's a character in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 so vivid and lush and dirty and grimy and it's like. You you get um it just makes you feel all kinds of emotions um in like a, a natural kind of doesn't feel like a forced way this just like it's just it to me it's just neon and lit bright and it, there's nothing interesting to it in my mind Brendan I would say this less so than Blade Runner this to me more calls mind to to Total Recall if you think about like kind of this is how Mars and stuff looked underground with it being dark and dingy but also being a little more bright and colorful and neon compared to Blade Runner and it's it's very dark like. I, I, that, even, that was what kept coming to mind as I was watching it. Total Recall, but even Total Recall, I feel, feels like more oh, like sure. a world. Sure. Like this doesn't, this just doesn't feel like it's like you could. Okay, so Total Recall, would you say that that is elements of cyberpunk? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, sure. so there you go. That's an example where like yeah. that movie, I watch it. I don't think and Blade you know Runner what? at I'll all. I'll agree with you on that one for sure. I, given the aesthetics, for sure, Total Recall. 
I like what they did there. I, I just, I, I'm a sucker for cyberpunk, so I like seeing it on screen. So that's my own bias with this movie. And I really do enjoy a lot of the visuals. I enjoy the tech. Like, I like the way the cabs look. I love how <laughs> Cactus Bill's fucking ridiculous Jeep that he drives that has an American flag painted. It's like, you're trying to stay under the radar, asshole. And you're driving this... Hummer-style Jeep with an American flag on it and hanging out at whorehouses with your young daughter. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird aspect. There's a lot of... It was very Old I West. Mean, there's a... It was like Old West stuff, like growing up in a whorehouse. Like, I, I know there... we've had other movies with characters that have grown up in, in brothels. There's a lot of just like weird elements to this. And I don't mean weird like, ooh, it's like futuristic and kind of like kooky and everything. I mean weird like... I don't know why they went with that choice. Like there's some there's some things in here that I'm a little uh uncomfortable with the intent of the creator, let's just say. Okay. Um and it, it's funny you mentioned the brothel that he goes to, Cactus Bill goes to and kind of leaves his daughter and they babysit her and everything. That does it it does feel kind of like a western and there are other elements of this movie that do kind of feel like a western. I mean, I think Leo, Alexander Skarsgård's character uh, kind of feels like that kind of character, that kind of lone gunman kind of thing. That that quiet, yeah. quiet like, but like can snap at a moment's notice yeah. type deal. He's he's even fewer words than the man with no name kind of guy. I mean, in that he doesn't speak at all. I would argue though, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come in hot on this one, Jason. I don't think Alexander Skarsgård. I think he's miscast. I would agree with that. I don't think he has. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He's good in other stuff. But I don't think he has the facial acting mm. to pull off the having no dialogue. Yeah. Like I think he need I think this guy needs dialogue to, to He's he's make good this at work. widening his eyes, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, like there's just there's not a lot kind of there. And I don't even know I can't nothing comes to mind of like who could play it better. Surely there are some mute actors in Hollywood that could use a job. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that's <laughs> probably the case. Yeah, but I mean, if you were gonna get, you know, I'm just talking about like anyone who you would cast in this role. Like, I'm not sure who would pull this Jim off. Carrick. But this is <laughs> that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get fucking Eddie Izzard's character from uh, the Avengers, yep. <laughs> the 1998 yeah. Avengers. Yes, the silent, the silent goon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. No, but it it just I don't I don't feel like the physical acting is there. Mm. Like it's just it doesn't it he just kind of feels like a wet blanket. He a feels little like bit. a big galoot lumbering around because he's a tall guy and it just yeah, yeah. he feels like he's stomping everywhere. And he should be our emotional, like our emotional centerpiece. Yeah. Like he he's the one we should be caring about. And then the movie just like leaves him for long stretches of time, which I thought was very odd too. Well, maybe they realized they could only focus on him for so much and keep it interesting. So then we go over to Paul Rudd. And uh, his uh, situation, his story. Uh, Paul Rudd, by the way, my favorite part of the movie. Oh, no question. He's great. He's great. I love Paul Rudd playing a crazy man. Paul Rudd playing, um, I mean, who we quickly find out over the course of the movie is a straight up villain, was very interesting and totally un-Paul Rudd. Because hmm. he doesn't uh, seem like that much of a villain at the beginning. Like, he's, you know, he's he's a guy He's trying to do right by his daughter. He's in some but I think dirty shit and he's AWOL, but, you know. As it goes on, though, yeah. we start to like notice, oh, you yeah. know, like the he's well. I mean, he has a he has a crazy temper yeah. that can just go at a moment's notice. Which again is like it's like this is Paul Rudd. What am I watching here? It, and it's hilarious because it's Paul Rudd and he's so good at it. But like he's acting like a complete psycho in public places, like just getting mad and rude with people for no reason. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's like later in the movie when he steals a bunch of peanuts yeah. off a cart and Ugh. then literally almost kills that security guard yeah, for pulls telling a knife, him to pay for it. Pulls a fu- massive knife on a security guard in the middle of a mall because the security guard wants him to pay for the peanuts that he drunkenly took from the stand that he walked by. By the way, is it a coincidence that he pulls out a Bowie knife knowing who Duncan Jones's father is? Uh, maybe, but also Paul Rudd's character was in the military, although he was a doctor. Although he, he seems like he's a battle medic based on uh, the way he operates. And I don't know that that's legal, but uh, there you go. Yeah. So he, he's his, his performance. I, I got, like I said, I think he's the best part of the movie. I think he's um, he just stands out so much to me because every like I said, Skarsgård's like, you know, he's doing whatever. Um, Nadira, we barely see for like we see her for like 10 minutes, maybe. Um, and then you got some like side people here and there, oh. but he really stands out to me. He's got the most like he stands out the most as like a performance you know like he's he is clearly not just being him and walking through like sleepwalking through the movie he's he's putting the effort well i mean and and you could if you really want to uh maybe dig deep you could see like whereas leo is a character that is quiet and because he's forced to be and kind of operates quietly by necessity paul rudd's character is the complete opposite he's just shit talking and won't shut his mouth he's just always yakking and going on and complaining and doing whatever yeah. Well, I mean, he's got the more int- he's got one of the more interesting characters to play. That doesn't ha- that doesn't hurt things, of course. No, absolutely. Uh, although I do think it kind of falls apart when we find out like what he did later. It doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't make. But a whatever. Lot of, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe I don't know. But then, but then we have, I would say, a controversial character. Mm-hmm. His partner, Duck, played by Justin Teru. Justin Teru controversially making a choice to call everybody babe. Like he's like he's a Hollywood agent in an 80s movie or or <laughs> doing mean, a bad Dennis Miller. I mean, Jason, that is not the controversial part I'm talking no, about. No, no, that's it. That's it. That's what that's the internet it. was talking about when this movie that's, came out. Otherwise, he is a beacon of hope yeah. and wonder and light. Just loves that hair. Yeah, no, we, we oh, when he makes when he says that line, I'm not even going to say it, but that line he says and he's in the bowling alley when he sees the schoolgirl bend over. He's a pedophile. Yeah, he's a pedophile. He's he's a pedophile, and I don't know. I I was the now I would say like okay yeah no he's a pedophile whatever like it's a character it's not it doesn't mean you no. know he's actually a pedophile no. doesn't mean the director is a pedophile but I feel like the sometimes he the characters treated in a very kind of like flippant way. Mm. Like it's not treated as big of a deal as it should. Like well, sometimes I, the it's not given enough weight, I, and I thought that was really odd. I wonder. It, it feels like this character existed maybe without that, uh, uh, without that trait in one version of the script, and then at the end it's like, well, we got to kill this guy, but he's done hasn't done anything to be like he's, he's his buddy and he helps him out. He hasn't done anything to be evil or disliked. We can't just kill him. And then it's like, well, what if we make him a pedophile? Then oh, okay, it's cool when he gets killed at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I would say. The only reason I would say that may, uh, that I don't think that's the case is just because they refer they refer to it a lot throughout yeah, the movie, it, and it's, it's like in key scenes. Yeah. And yeah. then, well, although I will say that does lead to four. So at the end of the movie, to jump ahead, when we have Leo's final confrontation with with uh, Cactus Bill after he finds uh, you know uh, his girlfriend's body there, they you know they get into it, and he pulls Cap, he, he gets a hold of Cactus's Bill's knife and stabs him in the throat and leaves him on the floor, and then Duck comes down. And sees him and is like, he's not going to help him because he's going to die anyways. But but what he does to him, he leaves him there, still alive. He Duck leaves him there on the floor. D- the, the thing that, that one thing that Bill is concerned about more than anything in, in life is his daughter. 
And he mm-hmm. wanted to keep his daughter away from Duck as soon as he found out what was going on here, even though he kind of let it continue. He didn't report him to anybody, right? So he leaves him dead on the floor and walks up the stairs uh, as he's dying and then flips the monitor around to show her room. And then we see on the monitor him going into the room. And that's the last image that, that Bill sees as he dies. And what a horrific way to go, even for a shitty guy like him. But but that's what I... But that's the... That was so weird, too, <laughs> yeah. because you just told us that if you had said... I don't know, like, they because they, they make Cactus Bill the person that murdered Nadira. Yeah. Like, he... he because he was he wanted he was scared that he wasn't going to get custody of his daughter so he fucking smothers suffocates and murders yeah. Nadira and Leo rightfully kills him in revenge but then like you're meant to feel sorry for him well, because this, of this part is this supposed to be the karma that he's that he, because of his his dark actions this is how it's paying off he did everything to protect his daughter and in doing so he's going to result in her getting like a, you know I don't even want to say but having horrible groomed? things happen to her yeah well or but, worse but, but that's the thing, though. Like, I still don't understand. Like, I still don't understand. It's just, it's weirdly set up to me. Like, it's, we've just learned this is, like, an awful person. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, but, like, his daughter, you got to feel bad for him. Like, it, I think the movie is trying to tell us that this is a, a, a feel-bad moment for Cactus Bill. And I'm like, but you can't just five minutes earlier tell us that he murdered Leo's girlfriend in cold blood. Yeah. And then have this. Yeah. Like, it's just weird framing. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is. It is strange that at that point you're trying to, to really get that sympathy for him to some extent. But, yeah, I don't know. But, like I say, maybe it is a karma thing. But either way, yeah, he, he dies and then he takes off. Duck takes off with the kid and, well, with um, uh, Leo. <laughs> he In great cyberpunk fashion, he he takes Leo at one point and straps him into a chair and gives him a voice box. He installs a voice box mod into his throat so that he can speak. Because he wants to hear him apologize for killing Cactus Bill. Yeah. And, of course, Leo won't do it. But also, let's, I mean, I'm also thinking, like, this guy hasn't spoken since he was a child. So it's not like he's going to be able to just say stuff right out of the gate. It's going to take him a little while to figure it out again. But again, I also don't understand yeah. that either. It's like, didn't you just leave him to die after he got killed, like stabbed by uh, Leo? Like, why do you care if he apologizes? It's it's the motivations are all over the place. Yeah, I don't know why he. I mean, is he doing it? He's like, oh, I got to do it for my friend. That I got to like get this apology, and then his memory will be at rest, and then I can go back to my clinic and doing my terrible things to children, even though I promised to stop. Yeah. And again, like I, just the thing for me, like the thing with Duck, like his character being a pedophile, like mm. you said, it does, it does almost feel like they tacked it on later yeah. in some ways. But it's also like it just doesn't feel necessary. Well, it's not me. really relevant to the movie, other it's than not. for that point of letting him die and and not feel bad about it, but then also letting uh, uh, Cactus have that horrific death. It feels like it's meant to be. The, it's there for shock value. Yeah. Because we even get that scene. Remember that that scene where he's like talking to this girl and she's like, "Oh, I'm 21." He's like, "Oh, can't we pretend we're 16 or something like that?" He's all creepy all the time. Oh, and then he gets the girls that he's hanging out with in the whorehouse, and he's like, "Oh, I'll teach you to play Foursquare and, and hopscotch and, then, and stuff." Like, and and he's got that girl that's like walking with her new leg, and he's got the camera set up. Yeah. By the way, yeah. by the way, that woman that watched him set up that camera and like slowly pan up with the camera. Are you blind? Do you not see what's going on? Well, here? I mean, in in the cyber future where Everybody's got cameras everywhere, much like now. You, there is an argument to be made. You could be recording stuff for professional use, but it's clear he's not doing that because the cameras are in places they shouldn't be. 
Right, that's what I mean. Like I, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird choice to have that character uh, be this way. Maybe he just I wants don't. to reaffirm that in the future, pedophiles still exist. So I mean, we, don't, we don't worry. Have, we, we, <laughs> I don't need to be. <laughs> I don't need to be reassured of that. <laughs> you could do it. There's a way to do it that it, it's not just for shock value. I just think in this movie, the way it's done, it just feels very like. Yeah. Just, not relevant or I don't know really that necessary. it would have I mean I, I feel like there's probably a way they could have made uh Ducky uh, a bad character worthy of a death at the end maybe in a different direction well that's the thing too you don't have to make him a pedophile that also screams to me like lazy, lazy writing yeah lazy. it's like how do we make well, we 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 either make him a Nazi a pedophile we have him kill an animal yeah I mean and yeah those were all options <laughs> Like I, I swear, God, if they had show, if they had cut to Justin Teru, uh, fucking uh, hiling, uh, while kicking a dog and you know, uh, looking at a picture of a child in a creepy way, <laughs> I wouldn't have been shocked. But then they, it's weird because they give him a redemption arc a bit. Yeah, well, he did. He doesn't immediately do something terrible to the daughter. Well, no, that he, but that he also tells leo about what cactus bill did because remember there's there's a there's a through line throughout this movie where leo's receiving texts from someone and he thinks it's nadira but it's, he thinks it's, it's nadira or he it's, thinks it's someone but it's duck but it ends it's up, duck fucking it, with him it's duck fucking duck fucking yeah um he's duck messing with him but then duck does text him and tell him where cactus bill is gonna be well is that so is that before or after cactus confronts duck about his dalliances in the clinic it's after but it's also after the scene where cactus freaks out at the um at the security guard and also punches duck yeah so at that point duck is clearly it's not about redemption it's about his own covering his own ass because he knows i don't know he knows if if our mute bartender friend leo goes and kills uh uh his friend then the secret is safe with Duck because, as as uh, as as you know, Cactus points out, it's not a secret anymore. Because I know, I think it would have been. I, I think I would be on, on your side with this if he had done it immediately after that confrontation scene, yeah. because after the confrontation scene and Paul Rudd finds out he's going to get his tickets out of there, like it's a real Casablanca moment. Like I'm getting my, you know, Rick just called. I'm getting my tickets for me and my daughter to get out of town, yeah. and um, or passports or whatever he's waiting for. It's it's a they they start to celebrate together. Cactus Bill is like, ah, come here, you pedo. We're but we're buddies again. Yeah, well, he's and still his old. Happened, he, they still are friends that go way back. So he's willing, well, and, thing, and that's though. the thing about Cactus too. He's a guy that's willing to overlook that because it's his friend, and because which he is, might have some use for him. Which is crazy, yeah. by the way. Don't overlook that, yeah, guys. No, it's a hard thing. <laughs> but but like but but if he had done it right then. I would have been like, yes, he, he's just doing it because he's protecting himself. But the fact that he does it later, it's almost like the movie is trying to tell us, wow, Duck realizes that Cactus Bill is not a good person. <laughs> you know, he's he's really like trying to redeem himself. I I got the I got the vibe that that was yeah, what they were doing I because sure. of the way because of the where it came in in the film. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my opinion, Jason. No, you I don't have to you. agree I with you. me. I, I think it's just yeah. I, I feel there's no way. There's no way. There's a redemption there. This is the guy saving. I'm his not. Own ass. I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying I yeah. agree with it. I'm just saying that's what I thought that they were trying to do. Get, watching get it. Duncan Jones on the blower. We need to have a chat. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get Duncan Jones in an interview to admit that he was. Uh, 
trying to create sympathy yes. for the pedophile. <laughs> yes, I wanted you to sympathize with the pedophile. Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> you got it on uh, on tape now. <laughs> um, we also got to talk about because I mean we mentioned this briefly before we before we go to break here. Um, we got to talk about the very fleeting connection this has to Moon. Yes, uh, we have a couple of scenes in the background where we catch. Uh, a glance of what's going on on the TV and it's a, a congressional hearing dealing with the fallout of Sam realizing there was two of them uh, in the last film. And there's multiple Sams in the scene. And I, I love that one of the things I caught was one of them in the background standing up and going, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's a bunch of Sam Rockwells um, in like a court, like a trial. And, and then, you know, somebody's just like, ah, shut that off. And that's all. And then the other thing is, too, that we see the name Lunar Industries yes. throughout the throughout the movie. But I was a little like, man, they should have done more with that. Like, well, I wish there would have been like some – because that's the thing is that as a follow-up, this does has very little, obviously almost no connection to Moon other nothing. than being in the same universe. And it's like Moon raised some interesting questions that's like – that might have been the more interesting movie of exploring the the implications of why is there two Sams and all this stuff and and corporations you know uh, uh, being willing to clone people to get the job done and giving yeah. and basically using them as slaves. I would have I would have loved to see an actual follow up on Moon and and I know that um, I read that Duncan Jones was planning this to be a trilogy. I mean, again, a spiritual trilogy. Yeah. I guess. Well, there is a graphic novel that does fill that third part and it's about yeah. a lady who is like a special forces agent or something it's not again yeah it's a different story altogether so again nothing to do with moon. but set in the same universe i believe yes. wait it's a graphic novel yes. so wait this is not this is this is based on a graphic no, novel. no 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 the the third part of this trilogy as it were is a graphic novel oh yes so he was going to make that a movie he may have he may have wanted to but there is a graphic novel of that story yes wow yeah okay well, that did not transpire because I don't believe this did well. Yeah, it seems <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> um, yeah, in fact, there was a lot of this was in development hell for a long time, um, and I, I remember I I read that Duncan Jones was actually pretty pissed off because he thought this was even this was going to get a theatrical release and this was going to be a big hit for him. And basically, they said this is not going to play in theaters, pal. You might want to get a, a streaming distributor. So Netflix came aboard, and uh, it kind of died quickly. <laughs> Yeah. Um Yeah, this just I don't know and it's also this also feels like someone who got this big indie hit in Moon and then people loved it and it made it did really well and then he was like kind of given too much money for his next project. <laughs> Although I guess Warcraft was before this, right? Yeah, Maybe it was like I think you, you're you do, right. Yes, you do one for you, which is Moon. You do one for us, which is Warcraft. Okay, now you can do whatever you want. I feel like maybe that was the that was it. Maybe, maybe, but Warcraft is such a flat kind of just nothing of a movie, and and it's a shame it because did, that that is a rich lore that deserves better than that. Whereas I it, would argue this movie is a little more interesting than Warcraft. Warcraft was. made a ton of move, ton of money. Yeah, though, internationally, in China, internationally, yeah. it certainly did. But I mean, I just I. As a Warcraft fan, I don't. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Oh no, it's boring. Yeah. It's it's dull. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but um, on that note, though, we uh, we don't have a um, a natural break point, so we should take a break here and uh, and and listen to some commercials. Perhaps some fast food restaurants that you may like to eat from. Perhaps uh, some I don't know. <laughs> Just listen to the ads, 
and uh, we'll be right back. When you're visiting the Outer Colonies, get all your podcasts from Age of Radio, now based out of Titan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. We are back. Uh, I got some details I want to talk about in this movie, Brendan. Uh, some little things I liked in it. Because ultimately, I love the aesthetic of the movie. You, 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 mm-hmm. We had our discussion earlier, the, but I love cyberpunk, and I like seeing any representation of cyberpunk on screen. I like the fly meals. I think that's a fantastic uh, little because you know obviously we've in, in now there's experimenting with using drones to deliver stuff, but like literally having a meal flown to you, that's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I like details that have interesting implications about the world around them uh, because we don't know much about what the geopolitical situation is in this movie. We know that the U.S. Army still exists because they're looking for Cactus Bill. We know this is in Berlin, Germany, but. So there's a scene where Leo and uh, Nadira are like in a park and, you know, they're, they're flicking their phone screen up onto the like public screens around. And yeah. on one of those public screens, it says uh, use cost five DM per minute. DM is Deutschmark. Deutschmark was the was the currency of Germany before the Eurozone, before the like, kind of European Union had their own common cur- uh, currency. So that implies to me that they're in a world where Germany, for whatever reason, is no longer part of the European Monetary Union. Does that mean they're no longer part of the European Union? Uh, what does that say about uh, global politics? And then I wonder, there's a scene in the apartment where they're, they're, they're in a future apartment, but they still have gas stoves. Which is interesting mm. that they're still using gas stoves in this. Well, I just figured they were hardline Republicans. They could be. They, they, revolting. they were like, hey, "You're not taking my gas stove." But in Germany, maybe that means that maybe that's an implication of what Russia's doing. Maybe Russia's still insisting on selling gas. Who knows? Um, mm. What else I got there? Oh, I, the real sexy hood ornament was a fun line about uh, the various uh, uh, fuckbots that seem to be through the course <laughs> of the movie. And when we run that into was, <laughs> that was the weirdest thing in the movie. The when the, when the when the stripper robot shows up with like metal nipples, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, everyone can shut up about Joel Schumacher <laughs> right now, because this was the dumbest thing. I know it's ridiculous. And then they and then we have that scene where they she where where uh, Leo marches into Oswald's apartment, and Oswald clearly is in the middle of something, and he's got two crazy sex robots oh, yeah. on his bed, and one of them has like a, a schlong on it that has spikes on it. And it's like, what are you even doing? How are you gonna? I don't judge. Do what you want to do, but that seems but dangerous. It, it also looks like the robots were just fucking each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, they are because it's going, watching? oh, schnell, oh, schnell, oh, schnell. <laughs> and then it was, and then the weird thing is when Leo gets him down on the bed, he's like seemingly in, like, he's well, like yeah, oh, what yeah, are we doing? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I got to say, too, just going to that for a second, when you talked about the sexy robots, there is some weird attitude in this movie towards like gender fluidity. Yep. Like, I thought it was, I, at first I'm like, okay, so Leo is supposed to be like, he's obviously from an Amish background, which would probably cause him to be very traditional in his views. But the movie doesn't really dive really into that. It just kind of has him get disgusted by like yeah, someone who's not, clearly gender fluid. Well, he doesn't know where to, he's confused by it all because it's not his life. And even though he's been living in it, it still is not something that he's kind of become accustomed to. And that's really 
part of his character is that he's this fish out of water. He's living in a world that he barely understands. But they barely touch on I know, that. The, the, which would be an interesting angle to take. Like, I like the bit where he, so he gets his cell phone and she's like, I bought you the simplest cell phone we can get you. And it's like, yeah. and it's a very chunky looking device. Again, a piece of retro tech, almost retro looking tech that I'm like, oh, that is an interesting implication of the future. It slides up like the old, uh, the old uh, phones people had, you know, back in the day. And it's got, mm-hmm. and I think it actually has a physical keyboard on it, which is like, wow, that's interesting for the future. Uh, this phone still has a physical keyboard. Is this a world where iPhones never existed? <gasps> Um, but like, I don't know, like, and, and the way that the only characters that are kind of this way, like I mentioned Robert Sheehan, um, the guy from Umbrella Academy who plays Luba, um, he's like the first and he's like the only gender fluid character we see for a long time. And and of course he's like sexually aggressive and like trying to push himself on Leo and stuff like that. Yeah. And then all the other, like, honestly, all the characters like that are, are stereotyped as these like aggressively sexual kind of rapey characters. And I thought that's a weird thing to do is to make all of them like that. That I just, I believe is kind of an unfortunate kind of trope holdover from older cyberpunk stuff that that's kind of been part of it for a long time. But it's also very strange to me because of who Duncan Jones's father is. Well, that's it. I mean, (laughs) a pioneer (laughs) in, in gender bending uh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Like you'd think, you'd think there'd be a bit more like sympathy there or empathy or whatever. Yeah. Make the guy a a little less of an asshole. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> right at the gate, and I'm not saying you have. I'm not saying like you know th- the opposite. Of course, is nonsense too. I'm yeah. not saying if a character is not a straight white, uh, straight white man, they better be a fucking saint. Yeah, no, no that's that's not. egregious because too. That's, that's as, but, yeah, that's as, that's as non equitable as the other one. <laughs> right, but like if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do that, you know you make just have more than one of these characters. That's the thing. Like yeah. if it's like if you're gonna have a movie and you have one black guy and he comes out doing like a 1950s voice, like. Come on, what are we saying here? Like, We're not watching White Man's Burden here. <laughs> wow, there's a there's a reference to pull from. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It just it was a, it was an overarching thing throughout the movie that kind of it just made me a little uncomfortable. Uh, did you notice? Oh, you probably didn't notice, but I did. One of the uh, the the gentleman that got bottled in the face by uh, Leo was uh, I I forget what is it the actor's name is, but he was one of uh, Doctor Who's companions during the first season and two of Doctor Who and was also in Star Trek Into Darkness. Are you asking if I noticed that? No, I didn't. You shouldn't. He's great. But that, oh, when he gets bottled in the face, that's a brutal scene. Anytime anybody gets bottled in the face, like, I'm just, oh, yeah, oh, that's the worst. (sighs) Yeah, I I mean, another thing that I, another thing that I really um, thought that the movie could have focused more on that was more interesting to me anyway, is the stuff that, uh, because Leo obviously can't speak. We said that. He's mute. And he's, traveling through a world that's so based on voice recognition and and that stuff and we see a little bit of that like we see him going to order food and you know he has to say his i think he has to say his phone number and the guy you know there's a guy there and he's like oh okay i'll do it for you what's the number and he says it for him but then there's like other things like he goes to the library and they're like what are you researching and he can't say anything there so i mean a bit more exploration of that would have been interesting this is a world where there was never uh uh there was never any consideration for disabled people. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the thing too. It's like it doesn't seem very friendly to people that are you know have some sort of 
disability, especially with speaking. Which today, if you were a, a, a mute person, you have plenty of options for how to interact with the world around you. Uh, and there's usually, mm-hmm. I mean, it, sometimes I'm sure it's difficult, but it, it is far better than it used to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like it just, it, um, it just, it's just one of those, I, I don't know, it's one of the many missed opportunities, I think, for me in this movie, is it's just something they kind of kind of touch on and then don't really mm. go back to um we we should also talk about nadira just briefly mm. because she is the very she is like exhibit a of a character that just exists to get fridged yeah pretty much <laughs> she <laughs> seems nice she's super in love with uh, uh dude and um she is gonna tell him about the daughter i think at one point but also i think it's it's did you notice in that so there's that scene where where our androgynous friend zaps uh leo he says oh i know you're not really familiar with technology but i bet you know what one of these is and he zaps him and i thought oh Mm -hmm. is that a taser but in the course of it he starts having going through this like flashes of thoughts in his head uh and as if some of them were um uh, nadira's thoughts and one of the things shows like nadira pushing someone and a lady falling and hitting her head and it's like, did she accidentally kill a girl? Is this part of this whole thing? But it never, I, I don't know if I just misread that because it never comes back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I thought that there was, I thought that she was going to bail. Uh, maybe that was a misdirect, <laughs> but I thought, oh, she mm. killed someone. So that's part of why she's trying to bail out. Is that why she went back to to him for whatever reason? Uh, See, to me, that just sounds like the movie lazily making you think that, mm. but then not actually giving an explanation for why that would even exist. Yeah. Like why that shot would even make sense if she if she didn't kill someone, yeah, but I just I guess it's it she shows up and then she disappears and then of course you know at the end she's dead and it's like okay so she just kind of exists to give Leo his moment his, like it's just it's it feels like a she, and she's a personified MacGuffin oh yeah well and she's the only really. is she the only female character like major female character I think yeah, so outside of like few lines from various hookers <laughs> a few lines from various hookers yeah. the jason mcleod story <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah she just i mean you can have her disappear for the whole movie i just think it, it, she doesn't i mean she's not a character not she, really, there's no. no there's nothing there she's an idea <laughs> yeah uh another a, another line i wanted to make mention of for the implications about the world around them is that paul rudd makes some comment about how the crowds keep invading other countries now was that simply just a historical joke like you or i might make or was that implying mm. that germany had invaded somebody else in the interim <laughs> maybe maybe uh i thought those weird pendant phones were strange like the the, the nadira's phone that uh, duck has a hold of it's like a scroll that pulls out mm. It was just kind of cool. I guess I like the idea of a future where phones don't have to be phone shaped; they could be whatever. <laughs> I yeah, like they sh- they should have all been hamburger phones, though. I mean, well, really. I mean, that's the future I want to live in, and hamburger and Garfield phones, as far as the eye can see. Um, did- I do think it's weird that um, <laughs> the joke "It's Miller time" is still a joke in this futuristic society. <laughs> hey, it's the number one beer of the cyberpunk future, Miller. I, I just always think it's weird when they when they show like a uh, like a futuristic world and there's like a reference to something and yeah. you're like wait in this world that reference would would be like 250 years. You old. know what it is though? I believe it's it is it is that it is. Think about the kind of like expressions we use in language that might that we use maybe metaphorically that apply to something that doesn't exist anymore. Like maybe it's Miller time has just become a phrase for drinking a beer, even though maybe Miller as a brand doesn't exist anymore. Mm. It could be. It's the future. Did you also think? 
Did you also think that Cactus and Duck at first were coded as gay? Because I did. Didn't get that I way. thought I thought they were a couple at first for for a while, just because like they when they when they left and they went back to the same apartment and they were bickering and yeah. everything. I was like, oh okay, interesting. But then they don't do that. Um, I like the big goon that the mob has that calls back to David Prowse in A Clockwork Orange, where it's just a huge guy with like horn rim glasses. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought he was cool. He didn't really have any lines. I noticed that uh, uh, yeah, that they really there's a lot of people in this movie, especially children, that they really don't want to pay. Uh, so they don't speak like, like when like that girl that's <laughs> getting you still have to pay. Well, I mean, OK, you have to pay them, but you don't pay them as much. No, but no. you think like like when he goes into the when that girl comes in to get her leg checked out that she got the new leg installed. Right. She doesn't say mm. a word uh, now. No. Obviously, maybe that's because she was traumatized previously being there. But also, come on, the kid would say like, oh, hi, doc or something. And then that yeah. little girl, I thought that that was going to be the same for her. The daughter She didn't say shit throughout the whole movie until the very end of the movie in her cute little German accent. Um, I also like, I just want to go back to this for a second. Duck also kind of looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's a conscious decision. And, and right. if so, what? Or like kind what of a fucked doing? up John Lennon. Like, like, <laughs> like if John Lennon was the guy that killed him, John Lennon. He, <laughs> that's actually the best description <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. Just put that in your minds, <laughs> yep. folks, and then look up just Justin Teru's character from Mute. It's that's what it is. John Lennon was the guy that killed John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he would look like. Um, I gotta say, uh, multi-level bowling alley, kind of scary, but really cool. I was having mm. flashbacks of the Big Lebowski. Man, the dude would be like in his nineties, but he'd be so happy. Um. I think Cactus Bill was a, a bit of a racist and also homophobic. Yeah, well, probably, yes, I would say. Well, you know, he's in the military, and I don't want to say that people in the military are that way, but it does foster that, unfortunately, it seems. I was going to say, yeah, it's it's an environment yeah. that definitely doesn't discourage it as much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I just didn't know what this movie's tone was. Yeah, it was, it was dark, but there were some funny moments like, you know, cause Paul Rudd's in it. Like regardless, Paul Rudd is always going to give a laugh every now and then. Like when he, when he, when he, when he angrily shuts up that, or, or it gets after that lady, that British lady that's sitting beside him as they're talking about like murdering someone uh, in the cafe. And he's like eyes forward or whatever. And he grabs her head and pushes it. It's, it's dark, but it's funny because it's Paul Rudd. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, later you get to see him suffocating a woman and you're like, Oh, okay. Not, not as yeah, funny. Not, not quite as funny. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, and of course they also do torture work apparently for the mob. We didn't mention that, but but Duck and uh, and Cactus, that's they are brought down a guy who's been kind of taking a taste on the side with his own action, yeah. and they uh, have to torture him. So that's what they do. I think, and I like it. Just I think overall, and I know we'll get to our overall thoughts a little later, but overall, like it, the thing for me with the characters is that I don't really know where I stand with any of them, and that can be a that can be a thing that's intentional and that works in a movie, but. I think in this case, it's just like, it just, I, I don't know. It just feels like sloppy. Like, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know who anyone is. Yeah. It just, I don't know. And then maybe that comes from having a lead that's not really that engaging. And so you start to look elsewhere. But hey, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do to pull off a mute performance and do it well. It has been done though. Oh yeah. Like nothing, you know, nothing against Alexander. Again, nothing against Alexander Skarsgård. I think he's a, I think he's a great actor in other stuff. I just don't think he's cast well in this movie. Um, 
This is this is this is a Keanu Reeves situation where I don't think he's particularly good in this role. But I mean, there's plenty other yeah. roles he's good in. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the movie, the first time that our boy Leo speaks is when he's in the water and he's telling uh, Josie to stand back. It's dangerous because um, Duck had like cut a lock and opened up the bridge so he could throw him off. But yes. Leo, of course, Leo can hold his breath. So he uh, uh, just held him down under the water and drowned the fucker. That's pretty much it. And then they end up in a cafe and they're coloring together. Because another bit we didn't mention is that um, he has a notepad, obviously, uh, Leo, so that he can communicate with people. But he draws a lot. And so when yeah. he first encounters Josie, he like gives her a little picture of a bear because he saw her drawing a picture of a bear. So he drew like a, uh, a mama bear and a daddy bear and handed her the picture. But he also drew a picture of Paul Rudd with a, with a dick on his head because he's a dickhead. He goes, ah, mine's bigger. <laughs> um, okay, well, I only have really a couple things here to add to to this. We already talked about the mash thing. So um, apparently there's a brief scene. So when Paul Rudd, when, you know, Cactus Bill, when he brings his kid to the brothel and, you know, which sounds terrible, uh, he brings to the brothel and says, like, you know, can you look after her for a bit? And he pays them. Did you notice who's on the currency? I was uh, I, first. I, I looked closely at the currency to see what it was because it wasn't euros because it had a face on it. Um, yep. But no, who was the? Fa- I thought it was like was it like Beethoven or something? Like it was David Hasselhoff. Was it really? It was David Hasselhoff. <laughs> wow. Okay. Which weird joke to go for on that one? But I think maybe also maybe a character that is because in the European Union now on their money they don't have faces because it would be too controversial they figured uh, trying to put okay. people's like historical figures on there so they have buildings so maybe that's like the German thing in the future is like well if you can't put you know maybe Otto von Bismarck shouldn't go on the bill but David Hasselhoff <laughs> everybody loves David Hasselhoff yeah the, the, I just imagine them putting uh, them them <laughs> jumping to put people on the bill and people still have like Hitler 5's in their, in their <laughs> closet I've got my somewhere. Hitler 5 and my Fruleborg 10 yeah Listen, I've got my Hitler fives, and like I want to keep the money, but like I'm scared to go to a bank. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm really scared to go to a bank. If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> what? I'm I'm, I'm implying oh, that you run the banks, right? So I wasn't even making yeah, that connection. No. Well, you're right. You know why? Because you're a good person with an innocent heart. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, so the we one thing I was thinking of throughout this movie is like. You know, this doesn't even really need to be a futuristic movie. This just seems like a plot you could do in any era, really. Just make a few adjustments. Yeah, I, and... I was thinking that too throughout it. It's like, hey, I love that it's cyberpunk because I love cyberpunk aesthetic, but why? I mean, why spend all the money? Like, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. It was originally conceived as a contemporary British gangster movie. Okay. All right. All right. And then... It was changed to be set in Tokyo with Ken Watanabe as Leo. Okay, that would have been all right. By the way, there you go. That's a guy I think could pull it off. Ken Watanabe could kill that role for sure. For sure, hundred percent. As much as he's a great actor when he's speaking, I think he has the. I think he has the look to pull that off as well. Um, however, after the success of Moon, uh, Duncan Jones was basically like, well, I'm going to set it in the future, which I think is a weird decision to make. My my future movie was successful, so I'm just going to change this to a future movie too. Um, uh, you'll you'll be shocked, absolutely shocked to hear, Jason, that this does not go to the Oscars or the BAFTAs. What? 
Um, and on Rotten Tomatoes, this this movie holds an approval rating of 21%. Ouch. With an average average rating of 4.4 out of 10. The overall consensus reads, Visually polished but narratively derivative and overall muddled, Mute is a would-be sci-fi epic whose title serves as an unfortunate guide on how it might be best enjoyed. Oh, listen to this one. <laughs> uh, no info on the budget. Um, and obviously the box office because it went, it was a Netflix, uh, original. Um, but, J- but I will, uh, I will go to you now, Jason, and ask you what I know uh, this is going to be a very different <laughs> section for us, but, uh, what, what did you think overall of this movie? Uh, well, well, I agree that the story is, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. And the, the characters aren't the greatest. I enjoyed myself watching this movie. Like I would not put this on any list. <laughs> I'll tell you that, but there aren't. That many maybe on a different, maybe on a different kind of list. Yeah, maybe on a different kind of list. There aren't that many cyberpunk movies out there like that kind of really go hard on that aesthetic. So I, honestly, it's it's a lot of it is form over function, I guess, for me because I love the way it looks. I love the way the city looks. I love the types of technology, the cars, the um, like when they go up to that gas when well, the gas station it must be. Uh, charging station at the end and he goes to get food and he has to use that touch screen and it's like we have that now but it still seems so goddamn futuristic in this movie um jason i know nothing can live up to the ghost in, uh um ghost in the shell remake yeah, but I know, you know, I know. It, everything tries yeah, let's talk about cyberpunk movies um but yeah no i i mean there's probably i mean honestly if you really if you've never watched a cyberpunk movie then you're better off obviously starting with blade runner and probably even Blade Runner 2049. I haven't seen it, but... Oh, you should. I, and I do want to watch it. But yeah, I'm shit. Go that way. But if you're into cyberpunk and you want more of that aesthetic, this is an okay watch. It's not going to... I did not leave this feeling like I had totally wasted my time. I enjoyed myself, mm-hmm. and I can acknowledge the flaws that it has, and I would make a very different movie uh, if it was given to me. But Duncan Jones, maybe make that moon follow-up. I want to know what happened with Sam. I want to know the implications. I wonder what the world's going on, man. But yes, I thought watch for... it. It's it's forget about it. Just watch it. It's it's not something that you need to worry about. Just enjoy it. I thought for a second you were saying Duncan Jones make that Moonfall movie. <laughs> I was like, it already happened, nope. and he didn't make remake it. Remake it again <laughs> with Duncan Jones. Remake it. <laughs> the moon that fell to Earth a... is what it'd be called. Oh, oh shit! Explosion sound. Right. Um, he he ought to he he should do a shot for shot remake though, nineteen ninety eight Psycho style. <laughs> All right, Brandon. What do you think of this movie? Um, I didn't like that much. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you that actually I don't like the look of the movie. To be honest, I think the look is pretty derivative, and I think it's um it's too bright and colorful, and it's, I don't I was gonna say it's too bright and colorful. It just doesn't have any personality to me. Like it just the we didn't really mention the costumes, but some of them are pretty interesting. I love Paul Rudd's get up. I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd number one. Great mustache. A, a one top of the heap, best part of the movie, I think. Um, but I think overall, it's just every, nothing. It doesn't really feel like it comes together for me. I think there. I think we talked about the weird, the weird aspects like the gender fluidity treatment and like the pedophile character. Yeah. It's handled strangely. And uh, while I appreciate that, uh, it's nice to see someone be able to make like original sci-fi. Yeah. Um, this was this was not what I wanted to see. So, um, no, certainly not on, on any kind of list, um, except for one in which I make to make sure I don't watch it again. And, um, you know, 
yeah, I don't know what else to say. I didn't, I didn't really care for it all that much. If, so. if, like I say, cyberpunk. If you, if you're new to the genre, start either with Blade Runner, read Neuromancer, or go and watch the Cyberpunk Edge Runners uh, TV series that was on Netflix. That is fantastic, and it'll really give you an idea of the kind of vibe of cyberpunk. Uh, but yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's mute. We're 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 putting that in the can, and we're moving on. We're moving on up to the east side. Something something in the sky. Deluxe apartment in the sky. Oh, uh, there we go. But they only serve deluxe. Gross. Not going. Mm. Oh, I would eat fish and chips and hamburgers from deluxe all day. Ooh. Folks, deluxe french fries. You can only get it here in the Maritimes. Folks, seafood, no thank you. <laughs> I'm the worst Maritimer ever. Don't like seafood. <laughs> uh, I don't really like seafood either. But I like some. I like fish. Um, I don't want to talk about all the foods I dislike. I'm going to divide oh, the Oh, God, yeah. Here. No, we'll, we'll start getting death threats, Brendan. Let's not say anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Moving on, we got one more of these to go next week. Uh, we're going to talk about another movie that is completely similar, and this one is a lot more similar, mm-hmm. I would say, because we talked, of course, a while ago about the uh, the horror movie set in a cave, The Descent, which we mm-hmm. both really liked. Um, but how will this one go? Well, we'll see. I, I think I've watched this one before, but I don't remember anything about it. But we're going to talk about The Descent Part two. It's, it's, I, I predict that it's going to be set in a shopping mall, and it's about a bunch of kids that go down into the basement of the shopping mall. And, and it's, it's in the same universe, but it has nothing to do with caves or weird vampire creatures. I wish you were right, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the same thing as the first oh, one. Okay. Well, we'll see, I guess. But I feel like I'm going to make a prediction right now, and I think I, pre- I think I sent you a message about this too. I'm going to make a prediction right now that this is going to be like we talked about when we talked about the descent, and we said like, oh, it does these things differently that makes mm. it stand out from like an American version of what this would be. I think this is going to be the American version. I think this is going to be the 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 all the things we said that it, it, it the movie didn't do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're all gonna, the things... this is going to be the movie that the other one would have been if it was made by different people. Right, this is going to be like the bad habits. Yeah. Like the bad habits are going to shine through here, I, I think anyway. Well. But we'll see. We'll talk about The Descent Part 2 next week. Um, but until then, uh, you can, of course, find us all over the, the web internet. Uh, our home base of, is Age of Radio. You can go to ageofradio.org slash screen And country. And you can find all the podcast apps that we're on on that site. Or just search for us on any old podcast app. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And uh, we're also on Twitter at FSACpod, as in for screen And country. Podcast. In addition to all that, Jason is also on the social medias. He's got a couple of platforms running there. Where can they find you? I'm on Hive. I'm on uh, Twitter. And I think I'm on Instagram. Uh, I haven't logged into that in years. But I, I believe uh, you are because I believe I tagged you on Instagram before. Sure. So, uh, so <laughs> it's at Jason D. McLeod, I believe, across those platforms. So And that's M-A-C. And if you want to follow me on Twitch, I'm B.D. Swiggin. That's S-W-I-G-G-E-N. So... Uh, I don't really ever stream, so but follow me, because cool, right? <laughs> Just follow me, because why not? Make a promise right now, Jason. If you hit 500, you're going to stream. That's right. If I hit 500 follows, I will stream me playing a game uh, of, of your choice. Tetris. All day, every day, baby. I'm getting. I'm so excited for Tetris on Apple TV. I would just like I would just like you uh, streaming Dr. Mario and you just muting it and you, you just the whole time going... Doo-doo-doo. 
I do the no, I do the do was from Dr. Mario, right? I think it was one of the other songs, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm 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 I listen when I listen to the Dr. Mario soundtrack, I usually listen to the uh to the other side of the CD first. You go with you go with type A as opposed to type B. Right, right. Anyway, all that bullshit aside, yes, follow us on all the socials, find our podcast. You already did. You're listening to it right now. I don't know why I plug that every time, but I do. Um, but uh, that's pretty much it. So until next time, we say to you, God save the king. Get ready for the spring. Yes, right. And for for spring and country, for screen and country, for screen and country, I'm Jason. And I'm Brendan. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light It split the night the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices never share